Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Let's get into this series called Mind Shift. Okay, say Mind Shift. This series of messages is about the expansion of the church in Springfield. This series of messages will be prophetic. I'm not just speaking to your minds and hearts, and I'm not just giving instruction. In this series, I will be speaking to the atmosphere, and I will be speaking to the prince and power and ruler of the city in some ways. And um, hell doesn't want the church to grow. And by the grace of God right now, this church has more people than it's ever had in its history right now. Praise God. Praise God. And I'm saying that on a north service where I see some empty seats. So praise God, there's some more room to grow here. Y'all bring your friends and all your heathen connections. (laughs) Tell them about Jesus. But um, we have uh, our teams, like our leadership teams, and the dream team has not recovered from COVID yet, but our attendance has superseded our pre-COVID attendance. And so that's awesome. That's praise God. One claps, everybody claps. Y'all rusty over here on the north side? Come on. Don't let this cosmic cowboy shirt fool you. I'm a, I will come down and... All right, so we have more people than we've ever had. Our teams are not built to the level that they were prior to COVID, even yet still. And so that means that less people are doing more than they've ever done. And so when we talk about showing up, growing up, and stepping up, it's essential that all hands are on deck. If you're a called out believer in Jesus, there's some role you can fulfill in the kingdom of God because the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few, the Bible says. And so I want to raise our spiritual awareness. At some point, we have to believe in Jesus to the place where we're okay enough to move forward from our pain and our past. We can't live in that place. At some point in our lives, we have to say, you know what? I may not have all I need, but I'm going to give of myself so that somebody else can have the things that they need to support them. And so God gave me a word for the church, and it is the word that's going to kind of govern this series. And it's, I'm not going to pull it from scripture, but you can go read it. It's too much to read. But uh, a miracle God did for our church is he gave us the South Campus that y'all are sitting in on the South Side for $1.2 million. Today, if you had to build it and buy it, 10 million. I said 10 million if you had to buy it and build it. 13 and a half acres on highway with a 25,000 square foot building, newer built to uh, not the highest level of code, but the code that, I mean, it's not an old broke down building in a place nobody wants to be. It's right in the middle of the future development of our city. Okay. Now the access to it is not great right now. We're waiting on the access to be improved. And I've seen three or four different plans and none of them have happened yet. <laughs> so we're going to wait till the access, is, the access to that property improves. Um, but that has the potential to be our largest campus as a church. Now, as many of you know, and some of you don't, um, God did a miracle in our church and allowed um, Eastern Gate Free Will Baptist Church to gift us their property, land, and finances, and all the people. Um, they're now a part of our church, and we love them so much. And um, the property God gave us, if you've never seen it, it's on Highway 65, just south of Costco. 
It's five and a quarter acres. It's probably the most prime acreage available on Highway 65 in Springfield, and God gave it to us. You'll literally drive by it and say, how'd they get that? And my answer to you is, Jesus did it. My answer to you is, God did! Now, if you could understand a little bit of history of our church, um, we had um, had one campus, this campus I'm standing in today, and the thing was bursting at the seams. Every Sunday felt like a explosive, amazing party. Um, it was... It was three services, 800 people, like, oh, my goodness, we can't, we can't do this. It's bursting at the seams. Um, and uh, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to give you a building this year. And so I went to our team and said, God spoke to me and said he's giving us a building this year. And God performed. I mean, it was a, I'm not, I don't live that way, but if I say it and I put myself out there like that, I believe I've heard from God. And God gave us that unbelievable building and land for $58 a square foot. And he did it without us having a lot of strength. Um, we had a lot of personal and, and you know, just because the church grows, the money follows that. It doesn't happen right away. And so um, it took a lot of time for the church to grow financially. And so we needed a miracle. And God has done a miracle. He's elevated many of your lives. He's raised up young business leaders in this church that had the conviction of tithing before God blessed them. And they've continued to tithe and honor God after the blessing came. And God has used that to multiply his work. Give God praise for that. But more than that, God caused people, faithful people, to have the burden to say, God is first in my life and God is first in my finances. And so the church has uh, built and grown and we've been very diligent with the... Uh, the, the, the finances of the church, and um, we're in position now to do something that not many churches get to see, which is build a campus in the most prime location probably in our city. And so by that, we feel like it's a miracle from God. There's a difference between the miracles. The first miracle that God did for us in giving us that South Campus was like the Red Sea. Basically, it happened so quick, I felt like Moses lifting up the rod and God did it. And before we knew it, here's this building. We got it, and we all went in there, and we got it right, and we worked on it and put parking in, did all the things. But it was such a quick miracle. And for us, in this setting right here, in this part of our, our, our life, as the Courageous Church, following the story of Joshua, which the Lord has kind of given for our church as a pattern to my soul, to my spirit, you know, um, South Campus was the Red Sea. God did it. This East Campus will be the Jordan. And the Red Sea, God did it. And the Jordan was, God will if we will. The risk that the people of God had to take and the obedience and faith they had to demonstrate to cross the Jordan was much different than the Red Sea. Up until the very moments of the crossing of the Red Sea, the children of Israel were murmuring, complaining, and doubting. They were doing it right up until the miracle, okay? They were not strong enough. They did not have enough faith. But at the Jordan... Joshua would have said, now's the time. Joshua didn't get a word from God until after he said, now is the time. And then God said to him, today I will show the people that I am with you like I was with Moses. And so then, beyond that, God told Joshua that to lead this people, you send the priests out into the water. And God chose the most 
inconvenient, non-opportune, difficult time to cross the Jordan River. It was when the banks of the Jordan were flooded. That is not the best time to do it. It is not the best time to build. It is not the best time to get a loan. It's not the best time to do construction. It's all inflated. Inflation has gone crazy in the last four years. God has chosen to place us at the Jordan in a time when the banks are flooded. Not my business, that's God's business. If I've read the book one time or a hundred times, I know that God does his greatest work when adversity, circumstances, and difficulties are very prevalent. The Bible tells us if we look at the sky, we'll never plant. The Bible tells us hope deferred makes the heart sick, and we have been circling around this mountain on what to do next since 2017. Now is the time. And so for Joshua and the children of Israel, the only option for them was promised land or back to the wilderness. Is that really an option? Is that an option for you? Is that an option for us? Is that an option in your life? We are a forward-facing people. We are the courageous church. We're not the trepidatious church. We're not the outrageous church. We're the courageous church. And we just have never give God a hand for what he's done in his, his great church. And we have never played it safe. I'm looking at a full balcony today, or mostly full balcony, and I remember the night that the church was so dead and it was on the verge of dying and I had just become the pastor and I wore a full suit, suited and booted. You don't even know <laughs> the cost to get dressed for church in that day. It was so expensive. Dry cleaning bills, astronomical. And I remember that night I ran up those stairs and I began to walk and preach to that balcony and declare it to be full and declare it to give life and declare for God to do a work in people's lives in this church. It is not good for the church to be limping. The church must be expanding. The Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. Hell's in a building program, and the church can't be satisfied with just maintaining. There is no just maintaining. We have to go forward, and we always have pushed, and we've always listened for the voice of God, and we've always been willing to put all the chips in the middle, to bet the farm, to have big faith, trust in God, to believe for more. And in, for this season, your responsibility is to have the kind of faith the children of Israel and the new generation he brought had so that when God's chosen vessel, when the word of the Lord comes and says, this day we cross the Jordan, it's not met with murmuring, complaining, and fear and doubt. It's not met with, oh, there's giants in the land and we're just grasshoppers. It's not met with any of that, but it's met with a steadfast faith in the God who has given all things that we need. I love that song that we, we play in the pre-roll. Uh, I think it's by Hezekiah Walker. It says, uh, I'm working on it. Hold on, I'm working, pulling it out. He got everything you need. He got, just listen for it. You'll feel it like I feel it. My singing is definitely... Not what it should be. There is a way different level of responsibility now for this church than what it was when God put a miracle right in our lap. I stood right here 
and told our staff in 2020, right after God gave us that, this one will look different. This one will require more from us. Crossing this body will be just like the Jordan. It won't be like the Red Sea, but it is a principle of possession for this church. We're possessing the land God gave us. We can't sit. God, I think the worst thing for us as a church, I understand that, that uh, uh, I talked to a local commercial realtor. I said, what's this worth? He said, I'd put it on the market for 2.4 million. God gave us a $2.4 million prime le- a gift and, and we can't just sit on it and say, look what God did. It is necessary for us not to build a museum on what God did, but to forge forward in faith and establish God's work to a greater dimension in this city. Are you a sold out believer? Is your identity such that if you were questioned on your faith in Christ, you would not deny him? Are you that committed to the goodness of God? Because God's calling us to a deeper commitment. And so I'm going to tell that story a hundred times that I just told you. But today to illustrate what God is calling us up to and what he wants to do, I want to use the story of Zacchaeus, okay? Now, one of the first songs I learned in school was, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, and I forget, he climbed up in, ah, he climbed up in, ah, the sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then, I'm, uh, then, then came Jesus, I, don't, I lost it. Then came Jesus passing by one day, said, bum, 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 bum. but it's the story of Zacchaeus. I'll Google it between services. God's calling us to move on up a little higher. Brandon, write that down. That's the title somehow. Work it. He's calling us to move on up a little higher. And the spiritually mature understand that life is full of challenges. Issues always abound. But we need breakthrough. We've wasted enough time. We participated in the last pandemic. We're not participating in the new ones. My answer is not found in more worry, more anxiety. I'm not going to settle for less. I believe the Lord I serve is the God of the breakthrough. And I believe that my God is in the climb. And I believe that my God is found in the crossing. So look at somebody and tell them it's not your condition, it's your position. It's not your condition, it's your position. Did you do it? Did you do it? It's not your, con- it's not your condition, it's your position. Do it, Joel. It's no, oh, you already did? Okay, very good. This is, I'm really here. This isn't a video, people. I'm really here. Luke 19 and 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. This is the sixth time in the Gospel of Luke it's been pointed out that Jesus was interacting with tax collectors who were the most hated, most reprehensible people in the community of the Jews at that time. Rome required certain taxes, but those tax collectors, once they gave that, they could levy a tax on anything they wanted. 
They could tax you on the inflation level of your tires if they wanted to, and Rome didn't say a thing. As long as Rome got what they had coming to them, the tax collector could do whatever they want. And so these tax collectors like Zacchaeus became filthy rich because what they paid in Rome was only a portion of the stuff they really collected. So they were hated, and probably rightly so, amen? And so Zacchaeus' name, his mom and dad had good intentions for him. Zacchaeus, his name meant clean, innocent, pure, and righteous. But this boy named Zacchaeus was none of that. He was a shyster. He was ripping people off. And things didn't intend, or things didn't go for their son like they intended them to. So his life becomes opposite of his name. It's unclean, it's guilty, it's impure, it's unrighteous. And Zacchaeus, although he was gifted as the top tax collector, he was rich and successful, there was something missing. Like, there's something about life that will occur to you at at some point. You can have all the title, all the coin, all the, the clout, all of that, but at the end of the day, Typically, you'll come to the place where that God-shaped part of your heart is unfulfilled and you look for something more. And many people try to find it in a greater high, a greater existential experience for drugs and partying and alcohol and whatever else it may be. But honestly, um, that spot never is satisfied without the Lord. There's too many people in our world chasing the wrong thing. Like they're listening to the wrong people tell them what the values that they should pursue are. Like, he's got everything you need. That is the, play that between services, please, so I can get it back in my spirit. Like, Instagram don't know. The celebrity example that's being sold to you doesn't know. The filters that people are using can confuse you. There is a higher truth. And so verse three says, and he sought to see who Jesus was. After attaining wealth and reaching the apex of achievement, something was still missing, and that is Jesus. Like, uh, he sought to see who Jesus was. People are still interested in Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus, and they sought to see who Jesus was. It's important that you know who Jesus is for you. It's important that your life is not bent around the fact that Jesus is something less than Lord, Jesus needs to be Lord over your life. You need to discover who and what he really is. So I want to know who he is for me. And then I believe I'm with a bunch of people who want to see Jesus. Want to see Jesus one day. You want to look upon his face. You want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Anybody anybody longing for that place that we're going to with Jesus? And so my prayer is not, Lord, make me rich. My prayer is not, Lord, make me famous. My prayer is not, Lord, give me this or give me that. My prayer is, Lord, let me see you. Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added to you. So as much as Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, the Bible says he couldn't. Why? Well, it's the same struggle you have. Paul had it. Romans 7, he's like, when I want to do good, evil is present. And sometimes I do the things I hate, even though the things I love are more important to me. I can't get it right. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? This struggle never stops. And Zacchaeus had the struggle. And the Bible says he sought to see Jesus, but he could not because of the crowd. These, uh, these tax collector types, you know, 
They don't show up in big crowds because the crowd can turn on you and string you up and tar and feather you. Like they, they, you don't see Bill Gates at the Super Bowl out on the front row like that. that no, he ain't going. You don't see that because um, you just don't want to take the abuse that comes like Zacchaeus because of who they really were. And Zacchaeus ceases to be at that moment because of Jesus self-protective. He stops being self-conscious and, and, and trying to stay away from the people. He comes out of a low-profile kind of existence, and he determines he's going to see Jesus is. I'm talking to all the people that come to church. You sit in your car until it's really close to church time. You run in. You, 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 you experience the presence of God, and then before anybody can get to you, you run out. You're doing a Zacchaeus thing. You're hiding. You're trying to hide in the crowd. You're trying to hide in the crowd. There are talented, gifted leaders in this church, and you're letting the crowd around you stop you like, oh, they have it covered. Oh, they don't need me. Oh, what could I really add to what God is doing here? Listen, we're doing okay with you, but we'd doing, be doing a lot better if you were involved. No hiding it. But Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. Like, uh, Jesus was irresistible. When you understand the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that he'll take your sin and give you his grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and salvation, if you'll trust in him and believe in him, it's irresistible. It's irresistible. Like, uh, Zacchaeus wanted to believe him. Zacchaeus wanted to trust him. But he couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd because people always be peopling. You're always going to find somebody who is a poor representation of Christ. And if you put the entirety of Christianity on their shoulders, you'll become very disillusioned. There's, I am not the example. Jesus is the example. You're not the example. Jesus is the example. I don't have a heaven to send you to, and I don't have a hell to send you to, but Jesus does. And so we, 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 we look to Jesus. He lived the perfect life. He lived the sinless life. He lived the life that we could never we could never live. He lived that for you. The example to the church is not the person with the microphone, although they should be examples, but the example to the church is Jesus. It's his church. It's his church. So we can get our eyes on others because of the crowd and not get close to Jesus. But Paul told us to set our affections on things above. We need to move on up a little higher. People are just people. Folks, anywhere I've been, just folks. Like they're, they're just people that need a savior. We shouldn't put standards on people that they can't live up to. We should look to Jesus as the author and as the finisher of our faith. Because our breakthrough is not found in people. Our breakthrough in life and our, 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 our hope and the, the transcendent mindset that allows you to put your confidence in him and not on things of the earth, it's found in Jesus. So the Bible says that the crowd was in the way and then it says he was of a short stature. He was a little short. You ever been a little short? A little short on money? A little short on purity? <laughs> Little short, little short on wisdom, little short on patience, 
little shawl. <laughs> Don't be looking at your husband now. I'll try to, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Little short. Got more month than money. Got more, more, more passion than good sense. You ever been a little short? Zacchaeus was a little short. Listen, you cannot let your own weaknesses cause you to say, I better not, I shouldn't. The whole reason Jesus came is because you would be short. I've never been good enough to get to God. He's always been good enough to come to me. I've never been good enough to earn anything. He's given me his riches, the riches of his grace. That is the great exchange. That is the goodness of God. We are not in ourselves sufficient, qualified, or good. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's the essence of the goodness of the gospel. And so he was short. He couldn't see Jesus. Nobody cared he was short. They were kind of glad he was short, less competition for them. But verse four says, so this little short tax collector ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for Jesus was gonna pass that way. Look, regardless of what you may think the truth is, people are looking, seeking, and desiring power, strength, relief, forgiveness, mercy, healing, and grace from another world, and only God provides that through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so I want to zero in on this part. There's this hunger in hearts. There's this passing by of Jesus. There's this tension of not being good enough and not knowing how to get to him, not knowing where to go. And so what does Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus begins to climb. I believe this church is full of climbers. I don't believe we're the kind of people that just think if I can, if I can just maybe make it through, that someday, you know, everything will, like I believe there are people in this, this church that have some grit in their soul that says, I'm not just gonna survive, I'm gonna thrive. I'm not gonna have a wasted life. I am not gonna live a life that has no spiritual or eternal significance. I am going to live the kind of life that gives glory unto God. People are looking, seeking, desiring. The crowd tries to choke out the ability of people to get to Jesus and every person looking to him is too short, but there comes something that lifts people higher. And that thing in this story was the sycamore tree. Now, sycamore trees, I think over there are different than sycamore trees here, but let's just say they're big and they get above the people and they get above the crowd, right? Listen, this church is a sycamore tree. Our South Campus is a sycamore tree. It's a place where people who are short, people who have been crushed away from the presence of God by the crowd, by society, by stuff. It's a place where people can go and they can get above the crowd and see Jesus. I went by my old house. I sold it prior to the pandemic. God gave us a word. He said, I'm gonna establish your house, Tyler. I'm gonna build my house after that. 
And so we sold our house in the middle of a pandemic and God established my house and he's going to build his house. And I went and drove by and the neighbors, the, the people that bought it, and I know all the neighbors, but the people that bought it, God bless them. They put in a big shooting range and fire off guns every night. The neighbors love them. And they, they're, they're flying five eight-by-eight eight political flags on the property. But on that property, I planted two oak trees with my sons. And I said to one, this is yours, and the other son, this is yours. And we planted them very small. But when we drove by, those trees are large and providing shade. And I planted them 12 years ago, 12 years ago. Anybody ever plant a tree? Plant a tree? You know, the, be the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, honestly. If you want the tree to be any good, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. Is 20 years ago an option? It's not. So the best time to plant a tree is today because that tree lifts people higher than the crowd so they can see Jesus. Churches are trees. The crowd is everywhere. Jesus is passing by. People are too short. Is there a tree to climb in Springfield? Oh, some trees are being cut down. Some trees are denying Christ. Some trees in this community are denying the inerrancy of the word of God and apostatizing themselves. It's happening. I'm not like... Fired up for it to happen, but facts are facts. There needs to be solid trees in this community, and thank God there are, and we're not God's gift to the body of Christ in Springfield. We're just trying to help reach our city. We don't live in that kind of pride, but we're gonna do everything God has called us to do with what he has placed in our hand to do it with. Can somebody say amen to that? I heard a man who built a 3,000-seat auditorium in California, outside Los Angeles, say, and they built it 30 years ago, and it cost $800,000. And people were astounded and amazed that they would spend that kind of money 30 years ago to build a church so big. The church has been full for years and years and years, planted many, many other churches out of it, and today it's probably worth $25 million dollars. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. God has blessed us with buildings where people can come and buildings are tools to give people a rallying point and a place of corporate worship so that we can receive the harvest of, 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 the, of souls, the body of Christ together. They can gather and grow like the Bible tells us to. Buildings are just tools, but if you're gonna get something done, you gotta have the tools to do it. So I praise God for buildings. When this church was going through a major theological transition back in 08 to God knows when, it, uh, having a building gave us legitimacy. Having a building gave us a rallying point. Having a building gave us stability. God has used buildings in America to build his church. Does he have to? No, but it sure helps from where I'm standing. And so... There needs to be something for people to use to get up higher. And the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago 
or today. He climbed in that tree because he understood it's not my condition. It's my position. And so it says this in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. There's a crowd of people all working against Zacchaeus getting to that place. But because somebody planted a tree, who planted that tree? We'll never know. We'll never know who planted that tree. We'll never know who bought the chair you're sitting in today. We'll never know, really, who was the one. But it was years of faithfulness, of people sowing, that when the time was right for Zacchaeus to come to Jesus, the tree was already there. Now, if you're not a believer or a Christian, just think about the goodness of Jesus that will, that'll pass by and will not look at your past and, and will come and stay at your house. Think about that because that's the message of Jesus. But if you are a believer, no, we're responsible for planting those trees. We're responsible for making a way. We are not just here to get our fix. We're here to be on mission. We're here to be the body of Christ. We're here to shed, to, to, to let the love of God be, that has been shed abroad in our hearts be given to somebody else, amen? It's not about me. This is not a me club. This is the mission of Christ on earth. The chosen method God has chosen and is using as the church. But the beauty of Jesus is he, he said today, hurry up, come down for today I must stay at your house. And so verse six, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Praise God. And then I want you to see full conversion in Zacchaeus's life. And I'm calling many of you today, really calling most of you today to full conversion, to full sold outness to Jesus. Here's what Zacchaeus did, verse seven. And when the people saw that he had reached out to Zacchaeus, they all crumbled, grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Thank God for the tree, because it saves Zacchaeus. The tree was a tool. But notice Zacchaeus' full conversion. It got past his heart and put him in a place where it affected his money. And for many of us, our hearts have been converted and we've resisted the conversion of our finances to honor God in them. The tithe is a biblical principle that God has chosen throughout the history of time to provide meat for his house. And it's not just a tenth. Hear me, it's the first tenth. It's not the leftover tenth. It's the first tenth of your income. And it's not self-directed. Oh, I'm gonna take some of my tithe and give it to this homeless man who needs a, some gasoline. That is not the tithe, that is alms. And you don't have the right to self-direct the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. It is not to be touched. 
It's for me to be in his house. And you have a choice. You can return it or you can rob it. That is full conversion. And Zacchaeus didn't have to be told. He knew that his money had to get right before God. And as the story goes, and as Zacchaeus lived his life, in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also was the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Can we praise God together for what the Lord will do in lives? Now, I can't get this from scripture, but uh, the church historian Clement of Alexandria says that Zacchaeus became a very prominent leader in the church and he ended up as the pastor of the church in Caesarea. And later he was succeeded by Cornelius the Centurion. That's some church history. God took this tax collector who everybody hated, who was short, and made him the pastor of the church at Caesarea. We, as the people of God, need to be awakened. Listen, God could have <laughs> easily spoken to every one of Zacchaeus' excuses on why he shouldn't. But Zacchaeus had lived so miserable for so long, somehow he went a little higher and the excuses didn't bother him. When it comes to you living for God and giving your life to him, the excuses are holding you down. You need to move on up higher. Jesus, you don't have to get it all right to come to God. You just have to come to him, weary, worn, sad, confused. He will take your sin away and give you new life. You don't have to get everything right before you get to God. You can come to him just as you are, and he will give you a new heart, a new mind, a new life, new affections. He'll change you and save you gloriously. And when it comes to finances for the believers in the house, don't think that you have to get everything right before you can be obedient to God in your finances. That is wrong. You start being obedient right now with what you've got, honoring God first. And I promise you, the Lord will work miracles on your behalf. And it's always hard to start tithing, but it's easy to keep doing it because God makes up the difference and he blesses the rest and doesn't leave you with less. He gives you the riches of his grace. The first thing I do when I'm paid is not pay my mortgage or my utility bill or my insurances or my payments or any of that. The first thing I do is honor God as an act of worship with the tithe. I already did it. My direct deposit hit Friday. I did it Saturday morning. I'm gonna be sitting here watching y'all when offering comes because it's already done. Just like Jesus. Jesus watched that kind of thing. So I'm, you won't look at me. I am not nervous about money. I'm not nervous about your money. I'm nervous about leading you to a place where you're not blessed. That's what I'm nervous about. And don't think this fancy shirt fools you. I bought it on clearance because I still know a good bargain when I see it. But I want you to be blessed. And I have watched. I've, I've, I'm not new at this. I've been at this same church since 1999. The 1900s, people. 
I have watched and observed the lift of the Lord in people's lives as they honor him faithfully through their consistent tithing and offerings and just having generous hearts before God. And the cars in this parking lot are better than they've ever been. And the houses that people live in are better than they've ever been because they have honored God first. I'm not going to rob God. I'm going to honor God and I will go down trusting in him rather than go down trying to fix it myself. Because when I got a problem, I don't say, I've got a problem. I go to God, God, you've got a problem. I've been faithful to you and you're not keeping up your end of the deal. What you going to do about it? God has always proven himself strong and powerful in my life. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.